0: This is Nate Lauchs, and you're listening to the Summer Friends Podcast. Let's be honest with each other. The last thing we all need right now is another podcast. And I'm not a comedian or a celebrity or a political wonk, so I'm already at a disadvantage. Once, when I was questioning everything that I've done in life and feeling bad about myself, I tried to create a CV about my academic and professional accomplishments, and literally all I could come up with was that my grandma thinks I'm a sweetheart. But I do like people, and I like hearing and telling great stories. And I love connecting people to new friends. In my roles at State Street Community Church and the PAC Center, I've got the chance to meet wonderful people and hear really really great stories so this podcast is an opportunity for me to introduce you to some new friends some that are from the port and surrounding areas and some that might be from other areas actually around the world i guess it's my little experiment in trying to actually listen to someone instead of talk at someone How many times has it happened before where you have this idea about how a person is and how they might respond and then you actually meet them and you hear their stories and they're nothing like you thought they were going to be? I've had the joy of becoming friends with people in politics and poverty. People that are affluent and those who are activists. And we'll certainly talk about issues, but as it pertains to real-life stories of people that I've met, People that I love, people I like, and maybe some that I've yet to learn to love well. Our lives are filled with people, and every person has a story. The question is, is, are we willing to listen? The first episode of the Summer Friends podcast is with Mark Krentz, the mayor of Laporte, Indiana. Mayor Krentz was the first person I asked to be on the podcast, and he graciously agreed to do it, because that's the kind of person he is. We talked about his atypical rise to becoming mayor, the struggles and the victories of things happening in Laporte right now, and making sense of politics on a local and national level. My goal is to interview all of the former mayors of Laporte, so I guess it's fitting that we start with the current mayor. I hope you enjoy this first episode, and I really hope you listen next week. If you like it, please do rate it and share it and subscribe so that you get next week's episode where I'm going to be talking to former mayor Lee Morris. All right, no more of me. I hope you enjoy the first episode of the Summer Friends Podcast with Mayor Mark Currents. Thanks for listening. Uh, an exciting time for me. This is going to be our first podcast on the Summer Friends podcast. I'm not sure anybody's going to listen yet. So this might just be uh, you and I having a conversation. I haven't even gotten my wife to agree to listen to this podcast yet. I'm selling her very hard. She she hasn't agreed yet that uh, she wants to do that. But anyway, you're here. I'm very excited about the potential for having better conversations. I really think better communities happen by us in a community having better conversations Um, you and I don't have to agree on everything to be unified sameness is not unity and so uh, I'm very excited about it Uh, we're gonna have other people here in the next uh, I've got another interview later today with Lee Morris and some other people but I'm really excited about it because I want to hear your story now you are I google this so I don't know if this is true or not but I hear on Google that you're 65 years old Is this true
1: uh, you are correct, sir.
0: You're a very young 65. I if love I love hearing say. that. I love hearing very that. Very young. I I didn't believe it when I saw it, and I'm I'm not just trying to impress you here. I didn't believe that you were 65. Oh, cool. Thank you. So, yeah, you no, 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 no um, You are the mayor of Laporte, Indiana. Since when? I was elected
1: at caucus. Uh, August 11th 2017
0: and uh, you've had a couple different jobs in the community right you worked. did you work for GLEDC or chamber or
1: I, I worked at GLEDC right before I became mayor and I real quick in just in part-time. case people don't know what GLEDC is what is GLEDC uh, Greater LaPorte Economic Development Corporation
0: ran by Bert Cook and some other yeah. people and what is what is the Greater LaPorte Economic Development Commission do
1: we are engaging uh Businesses that want to take a look at Laporte, uh, we're trying to uh, promote the economic uh, curve of the city of Laporte. Uh, we offer opportunities, incentives to people that want to locate here. It's a multifaceted uh, economic development tool that is very beneficial to the city of Laporte. In fact, I just came from a Gladsey meeting before I came here. Oh, to really? This. Do you Do you want to give a summary? Not just kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of cool stuff going on. I just can't talk about it.
0: Uh. <laughs> So you're that for a couple of years. Uh, you've been a member of, like, governmentally. You were appointed um, under Mayor Blair Milo's uh,
1: Board of Public Works and Safety, right? That's correct. In fact, I I served briefly under Mayor Crowback on the Board of Works.
0: Oh, so we've got like a bipartisan thing here, yeah, right?
1: And that's exactly who I am.
0: That, uh, does correct. that connect with you? Resonate the bipartisan kind of spirit here? Totally. I'm a I'm a
1: Laportian. Yeah, me too. And a Laportian in love with the city and in love with trying to get things done. So, I uh, I served for a brief time under Mayor Crowback, and then I was happy to be appointed by Mayor Milo when she took office. And so I was on the Board of Works during her entire term, and also have served on the Redevelopment Commission for you know, since two thousand nine. What does the Board of Public Works do? We were in charge of paying the bills and you know taking, signing contracts and uh, it's the, the nitty gritty. Yeah. And, uh, and we we are charged with a lot of responsibility and uh, being mayor. I'm still on the board of works, sure. but just in a different capacity in my new role. But uh, it's a it's a very serious and important job, and one that I take very seriously. And
0: you have all like the department heads there, all those, you know, and then you yep. appoint to others which I think your Board of Public Works are they uh, Clay Turner and Mitch ficus or? that's correct um, and uh, the great thing is, is I, I didn't know about this there, there wasn't a lot of like research to research what a board, but I just started watching the meetings on uh, the Laporte County and and uh, some of the meetings are very kind of standard but it's a great way to learn about some of the things happening in our community that might not be getting reported in news or whatever sure. it is uh, you watch there and you th- you you hear some of the things that are happening in the different departments that you might not know
1: what's what's interesting too uh, at, at the meetings quite often we'll have students attending students that might be in a government class at high school yeah. they get extra credit for coming to those meetings and at the end of the meeting they come up and they they need a signature to in
0: general though mark i need absolute honestly from you in general do you see them bored or
1: interested i think they're pretty interested Okay. I don't think they might have come into the meeting expecting yeah. to be interested, but I think, wow, I didn't realize that was going on. Or you know, I, I learned this from Mayor Milo when these students would come up and ask to have the paper signed. She would always say, "What did you learn today? What did you learn tonight?" And so I I asked them that too, and it's very interesting, you know, we, all this stuff going on at the meeting and what a, a student picks up out of all the many things that were going on. And most of the time it's like, I had no idea.
0: Yeah. So um, Michelle Obama talks about what she tells her girls and she says, um, Hey, you know, we, we love grandma. We love all this, but you wouldn't let your grandmother pick out your own clothes, right? You wouldn't do that. Um, you wouldn't let grandma decide these kind of things for you. So if you want a country or a community or a city or a municipality to reflect your values or to, to do those things that you think are really important for them to do, you have to be involved, right? Um, Absolutely. And so um, you can't let grandma pick out your clothes and you can't let grandma decide everything that happens in a community. And so if you want to be involved, um, you know, do the work of being involved. um, You also worked for LaPorte Savings Bank, is that
1: right? I was a director at LaPorte Savings Bank for 15 years from 2001 to 2016.
0: What's a a director? What does that do? Uh,
1: Director is, uh, we meet uh, twice a month and we discuss loans, you know, policy, that kind of thing. I mean, it's a a guiding force of the bank.
0: And so, you would look over, like, loan packets, these kind of things, and help decide whether or not they were a good loan or a bad loan? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, did you enjoy it? I
1: did. I really? Loved it. And the, the cool thing for me was, uh, when I was asked to be on the board uh, in 2001, LaPorte Savings Bank had a very local flavor to it, and so many of the people involved at that time were you know, icons of the community, on the, especially on the board of directors. Um, I, was, I was the rookie you know, coming on board then, and it was a great honor to to learn from them, uh, to hear about their stories of, you know, where they were when they joined the bank as a director. And I just felt like I was the beneficiary of a lot of really good history there. And uh, I, I guess that's how I've chosen to live my life, is to look to those who were seniors to me, mm-hmm. and. and learn what I can from them and absorb that and then share it with those that are behind me. Did being
0: a director of the bank and seeing different loans come in, because I assume it wasn't just it wasn't residential, it was probably commercial loans, was it? Or it was,
1: it was a little bit of each. Okay.
0: Yep. Do you think it helped teach you about aspects of the community that you maybe didn't know fully before? Did it inform you of different types of uh, things happening? Did it help you in your job as mayor? Do you think at all?
1: Sure. I think financially speaking, it's a, it's a good springboard to have a foundation like that in banking. Financially, you, you, you see every kind of scenario that you can imagine uh, with someone who has a great idea and they come to the bank and all they need to do is borrow a lot of money to have their idea come to fruition. And then there's the reality of putting a business plan together, yeah. you know, because that's what it takes. In the city of Laporte, I have a lot of dreams and visions, and I love seeing them come to pass. Some things don't come to pass, but unless you have a plan, they never will come to pass. You know, my, my father was mayor in the in the late 90s. Yeah, so we're like gonna get to that, yeah. And I'm working on some things today that, that he talked about to me 20 years ago. And so, the mayor of a city is... is basically a, a runner in a in a relay race. I was handed the baton and then I will hand the baton to someone else. But along the way, all of these mayors and you know, council members and department heads and all the employees and involved citizens have come to, to make this city what it is today. And so you give credit to those who are before you and you try to do your best to keep running that that relay race and be able to hand off the baton you know with the the city being in as good a shape if not better than it was when you took the baton. I
0: I want to talk a little bit you mentioned your dad and I, I want to get into a little bit of your backstory so you were born in La Porte right yep um what four siblings is that right that's right Good research. Hey, uh, Google, I'm telling you, the Google wow. told me
1: everything I needed to know about you. You could have started out with something other than my age, though. So, you know.
0: Well, here's the thing. I put, I put, you see this document? I even have your picture here. I put oh. all this together and it was number two on the document. And, um, my, but. my name was first, right? Well, your name was first, yes. <laughs> but, um, oh, I, I, I also have your, that you're a of Purdue University. That's right. And you've got a certificate in business, uh, administration from the University of Notre Dame go Irish yeah are you an, are you a Notre Dame fan or a Purdue fan uh yes no 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 no, no. you have to yeah, choose I, you can, <laughs> don't you you, you, you know, can I, be both I want you to be bipartisan in every way possible but that this this requires a choice
1: <laughs> well I'm a I'm a Purdue fan but I also have to tell you that uh, my wife went to IU Oh. so you know I've gone through a lot of sensitivity training on you know so Being a fan of more than just my team.
0: Now, your wife, uh, the wonderful uh, Laura, um, is is she a passionate IU fan, or is she um, does she allow you to to really flex your muscles with your Purdue fandom?
1: She's not. She's not a passionate fan. I'll usually have to tell her that you know. Okay. Um, yeah. Purdue's playing IU today. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> um, now, my wife could
0: care less about sports. She's from Europe. Uh, she doesn't even like soccer. So. Um, so anyway, you were born here in La Porte um, to parents. Uh, I think your your mother's name was Vi, is that right? That's correct. Um, and she was born here in La Porte as well. Was your That's dad? Right. Yes. Okay, so you guys have been in La Porte for quite some time. Yeah. And I read, um, now I, I don't know if this is true, but you can confirm or deny that your dad started working for what how do you how do you pronounce this by the way uh the Van Hart Burger. thank you um has like a, a shop boy essentially part-time uh for his godfather correct uh now hey google um and uh and that he eventually worked his way up to being the CEO of this company that um, you you can explain a little bit b- about what you did, but I mean, gr- grew the company and really had a great success in this essentially gold framing company. Yeah. Um, what a remarkable story of success. Uh, t- tell that story a little bit about h- how your dad uh, became the the CEO of, of a, a framing company.
1: Uh, he was a hard worker. When he uh, joined the firm, uh, it was you know, part-time work. He said he was just going to do it for a while until he found something else, and uh, he ended up staying there. and And he was heavily involved in in growing the business. It was a handmade picture frame company that I just finally closed last year uh, after 90 years in business. And was, it, was that was that tough? Yeah, it was tough. Although I think the time had come that. You know, with the the internet and you know competition, uh, it, the market
0: just isn't market, for a local kind of
1: market's different. Yeah, so it it was it was tough, but it was also time. Uh, but Dad worked very hard, and uh, he had visions, but he he also had a a real good work ethic and. Uh, That was instilled into me, for sure, and my brother, who also worked at the family business, and and with my sisters as well, although they were not as involved in the direct operations of that business. But he worked very hard, and eventually, my brother and I bought the business in late 2007, you know, right before the crash. And had he been... Still running the business then? Uh, he was active at that time. I was, I was actually the president of the company at that time, but Dad was still coming into work every day. You know, it was what he did. And uh, it was something to, to witness to see his passion and his love for that. And, and that's something that I think I absorbed as much as I could. And interestingly, Dad's journey started out, he was studying to be a minister. Hey, hey, there and, we go. Lutheran. A right? Lutheran minister. Yeah. He got it. And he didn't make it all the way through the seminary for one main reason. And that was because he got married. Really? And at that time, it wasn't considered, I guess, good form or something or other. But so he he left the seminary and, you know, got married. But that was always part of his inner being, you know, the, the word of God. And you know that was that was a guiding force in his life
0: was there ever a part of him do you think that still desired that in him to become a pastor or a minister or do you think there was ever that kind of unsatisfied bit of him that thought that he could have done that that he wasn't able to or
1: he, he never really verbalized that but I I think that probably was the case you know he probably thought a time or two like yeah I wonder wonder what would have happened you know if I had continued down this path and he he kept in close touch with a lot of his, you know, seminary buddies, and uh, visited often. You know, mm-hmm. many years after he left. And and you
0: so he met your mother. I think were they high school sweethearts or were they just friends from back home? Or
1: they met each other in first grade.
0: Oh, how great! Yeah. Um, but they did they date in high school or anything or did they?
1: Was this? Yeah. They- I don't know if I've heard all the stories about sure. the dating but uh, I know they were they were pretty close you know from early on and I I know that there were a few dates here and there but uh, I think they were pretty tight What was the Krentz household like
0: growing up I I, I gather anyway because uh, your mother was into theater, your father loved theater. Um, you, I know, love theater. You can also sing really well, uh, which I'm, you have a great radio voice, I don't. You have a great um, uh, singing voice, I don't. So I'm, I'm really envious of you. But you can also, you can also cut the rug. I saw that at the mayor's ball, you can dance. <laughs> I I can't even do that. I'm really, without being a pastor, I have no skills whatsoever. So I'm really admiring of you and a little slightly jealous because you could do all those things. But what was life growing up like in the Krentz house? Did you have a lot of art? Was it a, was it a. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Growing up,
1: you know, the picture frame business, but we also sold oil paintings so
0: You went, if I... excuse me, but your dad went throughout, like, the world and bought paintings, right, correct? Right, right,
1: yeah. And so, yeah, we had, we had a lot of art. Uh, my wife and I have a, a great collection, and she's also a painter, Laura is, so she does, she's involved with the plein air group, and she continues to paint, and oh, we really have more art. So that's part of our world growing up, but uh, we had a great uh, great childhood. We had uh, good family dinners. I mean, that was always very important that we have a time to sit down and be together. And then as we all grew, we continued to really enjoy that. And the older we got, the more family dinners got to be, you know, who could crack the best joke or Mm -hmm. who could say the worst pun or... It got to be so enjoyable that sometimes dinners would last a really long time.
0: Uh, isn't that the best? There's there's nothing like breaking bread together as a family or friends when you are there. And
1: like you said, the, the dinner is over, but you just want to be together. Just want to hang together. Yeah. And it just is great. I mean, I've, you know, s- such good memories of that right now. I kind of you know, got the chills.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Your dad is running a company that he took over from his godfather that he started working at. Yeah. In uh, high school, I think. You're growing up, and you're going to go to school, all right? And college, anyway. And you didn't you didn't want to come back to LaPorte, huh? You didn't want to stay in LaPorte. Uh, no, uh, this, this really resonated with me because I didn't either. Um, and I, I have a quote, honestly, uh, that you uh, talk about. Essentially, a teacher of yours that asked something about wh- why somebody needs to stay or something. Tell that story.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I didn't want to be in the family business. I didn't expect I would be in the family business because I, growing up in it, I worked part-time there, so I thought, I don't... I want to do something different. I had a very good teacher. Uh, it was actually in, in ninth grade, mm-hmm. and uh, she was just a super teacher. I, I what was her, her. name? Uh, Mrs. Phillips. Okay. She was strict but kind. And and gentle, but you know the combination was really. I don't know. It was something that did you uh, duty to her, but it also I respected her very much. Did you go
0: to the um, when James Comey was here in Laporte uh, like a month ago? Did you go see that at the PNW thing? Yeah. He talks about that like kind of a, this. The best type of leaders are strict and kind.
1: Do you know what I mean? Well, um, and I was drawn to that, and I wanted to please her, so I I got. I got good grades in her class, but that's not the point of it. I, I also just was had become very fond of her, and it turned out that uh, she and her husband were actually friends of uh, my wife's folks. So they would see each other socially, and then when I got out of college and was back home at a at a social gathering, I had a, a chance to see Mrs. Phillips. Of course, you know, years had gone by since I had Had her in class, I I talked to her about "Ah, I kind of want to find something out of Laporte, you know, and she said, you know, well, someone has to stay home, and it was almost like I went back in time to being in her, you know, class, you know, in ninth grade, and the teacher was telling me something that I should really pay attention to. And I respected her so much. I'm not saying that's the, o- the only reason that I stayed in Laporte, but it's one of them.
0: That did impact you. That resonated it, with you. It
1: impacted. Yeah. Uh, so what did you want to do? When I first year at Purdue, I yeah. was in electrical engineering. Oh, really? Because I was good at math and science. and <sighs> And you
0: can dance and well, you can sing. You're good at math and
1: science. You're, my my counselor in high school said, "Well, you're pretty good in math and science. You should go to Purdue." That was the extent of my counseling. So I thought, well, okay. So I went to Purdue, got into Double E. I was bored. I could I could do it, but I I was not. Nothing excited you about it, or not really. I only went you know, one full year in that, and then I transferred into uh, radio and TV because i that was sort of more of my inner love.
0: What did you want to do? Like, what, what did you want to do in radio and TV? Did you want to do, like, production? Did you want to do... Did you want to be on camera?
1: Um I wanted to be a, a performer. I mean, I wanted to do something with my voice, you know, with acting. Oh, great. You know, which is... The kind of thing that, you know, parents don't like to hear when you're dropping out of engineering. And How did your dad and mom respond to that? They were very supportive. I mean, to me, maybe between the two of them <laughs> behind closed doors, it's like, what an idiot. I changed
0: my major in college to uh, philosophy, and I'm pretty sure my dad had to take a lot of tums when that happened. So, <laughs> Yeah.
1: I actually thought it would be cool to be like a theatrical actor, too, but I knew that that was even more of a long shot than getting into radio and TV. The thing about radio and TV, it's it's a good foundation for a lot of things in life. Truthfully, even being involved in theater is is a great foundation for a lot of things in life, too.
0: What does the theater teach that you think can be uh, applied to the
1: rest of your life? Theater, to me, uh, provided a way to challenge myself in a way that uh, you sort of get to that fear level, like, I'm gonna do this in front of a lot of people, you know, so you... Like the confidence of it build all? Your, build your confidence. If you take theater seriously, you learn different things about yourself because you, you're looking internally to relate to whatever role that you're playing. And if you can buy into the role that you're playing and literally feel as if you become someone different, it's an interesting journey.
0: Does theater teach you about empathy, do you think, because it puts you in the the, the shoes of another character or another person? Did yeah, it,
1: okay. I, I think so for sure. Uh, it's really interesting to look that deeply into what you are perceiving as as someone else's character or persona and, and how you portray that in a way that's believable. I found that to be very challenging, interesting, and truthfully, it's something that, I think we're all on stage to a certain extent as we live our lives, you know, and we try to be a good, good citizen. Uh, you know, you try to be, you know, have, you know, empathy, sympathy, uh, relate to those people around you, and I think it's a, it's a good training ground for that. It's not not everything, but uh, I think it it helps kind of form who you are. So let's talk a little bit about you and Laura. How'd you meet Laura? I met Laura in high school uh, doing a play. So, really? And what play was it, do you remember? Well, I was in the Crucible, uh-huh. and she was doing makeup, so she did my makeup. You fell in love with the makeup, the makeup lady, huh? Yeah. I did, and I, I really honestly believe that I, I fell in love with her at that very moment.
0: You knew pretty quickly, huh?
1: I did, and uh, it took me a while to convince her, but I knew that was the moment for me. And then we, we dated off and on through high school and college, and she's the love of my life.
0: You are uh, one of the kindest and most generous people I think I've ever met, especially in government. How'd you get there? Like, is it, do you, was it modeled to you by your parents? Was it just something that you think you're just intrinsically just a, 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 that's just who you are? Is it choices you make every day? How do you become, uh, just somebody that I think is just filled with kindness and generosity?
1: I think generosity was something that I I learned from mom and dad. Uh, you know, it was always kinder to give than to receive, um, Pay attention to those around you. You know, uh, those that, that have needs, try to help them. Uh, as far as being kind, I, I I grew up in a loving loving household, and uh, and so I I was witness to that. Uh, and I I just believe that you know the golden rule never goes out of style. You know, let's let's all you know get along. Can you still be kind and generous in politics do you think
0: yes do you, th- do you think it's easier to not be kind and generous and to get ahead?
1: It's not in my DNA to to think that way but I think that kindness and generosity in a in a public office like I'm in is is something that sometimes people find surprising but I also think it's like comforting, too. Like, hey, that's cool. When I became mayor, and, you know, it was a little different. Got elected at a caucus on a Friday night, and the following Monday, I'm going to work.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: A lot of people didn't really know me. I mean, they might have known me through the bank job, or through my art job, or, you know, just theater, or whatever. But suddenly, I'm the mayor. I would meet with many people after I became mayor. You know, I'd, they'd come to my office, they'd want to meet me, they'd want to get to know me, and I would tell person after person, you know, I, I'm still me. You know, I'm, I'm the mayor, but I, I'm still me. And people were... they thought that was refreshing, that I could be me and be mayor. So I, I don't look at that kindness or generosity quality in my role as mayor is being, you know, weak or not being able to accomplish things because I think that I can accomplish more by being just that.
0: This wasn't what you probably started, 20, what was it, 2017 or 2016 that you became mayor? I forget, what year? 2017. So it's probably not the thing that you thought on January 1st, you know, I'm gonna make my New Year's resolution that, you know, I'm I'm gonna replace the mayor of LaPorte. In yeah, the you got that right. Um, and uh, so... Blair gets appointed, Mayor Marlow gets appointed down to Indianapolis in a spot with the governor where she's still in today. Then the LaPorte County Republican Party then is tasked with the opportunity to replace her internally with what is a caucus, right? Correct. Uh, And then uh, essentially anybody that is a registered Republican can then... uh, essentially nominate themselves to become a member of that caucus or rather a candidate in that cause. And and I think, what what was there, maybe 10 of you? I think there were eight. It was on a Friday night. And how many voters was there in the caucus? 20. Okay, so there's 20 voters, eight people. Now, first round, uh, there was a couple that didn't get any votes that come out. I'll tell you this, Mark. I was actually listening to it on my phone because I couldn't find a stream of it, and I okay. couldn't, and so I was listening to it as it happened because I was, I was very interested in who's becoming the mayor of
1: LaPorte. What made you
0: choose to p- throw your name in the, the ring for
1: that? Being a part of Mayor Milo's team, I believed very much in, in the direction that the city was going. I, I agreed very much with the team that was in place. And I keep in mind that I was part of that team being on the Board of Works. Mm-hmm. So I was very interested on that level too, just making sure that, you know, why why I jumped in, I just thought that I could do a good job. I had a good relationship with the, the city employees, the department heads. Um, I understood many things about the role of mayor, although you can never be totally prepared for that. I'm sure you've learned a lot, yeah. I've learned a lot, but uh, I think I I, want to keep this thing going. I feel like I would be a good candidate for this. I didn't have a whole lot of time to overthink it,
0: Mayor Milo resigns and, or essentially, I don't, I don't know what you do when you're a mayor. If you put your notice in or who you notify, but anyway, between that notification or the notification you you got or you received, between that time
1: and the election, how much time was there? It was about two and a half weeks. I mean, from in, knowing about it to the election.
0: Did you know when Blair was going to do that? Did you know immediately and say, "I'm going to run for this"?
1: No. Okay. I, considered it, I think uh, I, I, I knew that I had to make a decision quickly. Yeah. And, and so I talked about it probably with Laura. Yeah, like you
0: didn't have like time to go on like a
1: spirit quest for this, oh, no. right? No, <laughs> no. it was like, I remember I think it uh, might have been two weeks before the caucus I just kind of got up that Friday morning and I, I told Laura, I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put my name in and you know she still refers to that like you know wow I mean because the night before I didn't really know but something about I just thought I'm gonna do it I'm gonna put my name in and what, what what was
0: it though I mean what you go to bed and you decide was it just a matter of based on your past kind of uh work with the board of works I just I want to continue this and, and and there's nobody else to do it but me what was it
1: I didn't Totally think that there was no one else that could do it other than me, but I did think that if I didn't put my name in, I would regret it. Okay. And I, I don't like regret, and sometimes if you can anticipate things like that so you don't have regret. That's how I choose to jump into some things that are really scary. <laughs> you only had to
0: win over 20 voters, right? That, that's nice. The, the campaign is only two weeks, but you only have to win over 20 voters. But here's the thing. This is why it paralyzed me, is I like to be liked. I, I'm a people pleaser, and I would be terrified if I'd lose an election. Well, sure. Did that ever go through your head? Like, what if I'm not the one people like? Yeah. The, okay, because that, that, would, that, that would paralyze me. The thing about voting is you can have your own opinions of who you think you are, right? And how well you're liked in a community or with people. The election kind of tells you that though, right? Like there's like a quantifiable (laughs) number that says, oh, you're not nearly as awesome as you think you are. (laughs) And I like to live in my delusion, you know, that like I'm not not that bad of a person that like I would go to an election and then it'd be like I'd have to convince my wife to vote for me. Again, she's not even convinced she's going to listen to this. So, um... You go in there. Do you campaign for this? Do you talk to the other delegates?
1: Do you? What's the process for this? The uh, the the thing that I did was I I tried to meet with every precinct voting member because they they were the ones who were going to determine the outcome. And a lot of the precinct people I didn't know you know before this came about, so I had to get to know them talk to them, you know, let them know why I thought I was qualified to be mayor and uh, listen to their concerns. And uh, and it was in that short amount of time, that was a lot to do to try to have some meaningful conversation with, with these different people. And yet that was what my campaign was all about. You know, I wasn't wasn't going to a fish fry or a pancake yep. breakfast. Yep. I was
0: or knocking door to door or anything like meeting that. Meeting
1: with these precinct people and basically saying, you know, I believe I'm qualified. I'm interested. I'm, I love the city. I'm engaged. Uh, I'd love for you to consider voting for me on the night of the caucus. And
0: did you go into the caucus pretty confident?
1: I did, just because I felt like when you're going through that process you kind of get, like, worked up, and, mm-hmm. you know, like, I, I had to, you know, say a little bit about myself at the caucus when I was introduced, and that's, that's when you kind of lay it out there, too. You know, this is who I am. I'm not playing a part in a play. This is me.
0: away within a couple of years of each other, you, you know, the, the business, I think of uh, your business, right. Um, and it destroyed the building from what I understand, right. Do you, do you feel like that was the, um, becoming mayor has been a kind of a bright star in a, in a rough couple of years personally, or do you think it's added to that? Do you think it's been a culmination of like, you're at this point now and it's, it's really bringing,
1: a lot of joy to your life. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, the journey leading up to, you know, being mayor, uh, yeah, it was was tough, you know, with the business and uh, losing mom and dad and uh, also losing Laura's folks in that basic time. And, uh, you know, the fire was something I never thought I would experience. And I, I say to this day, gratefully, there was no one hurt. How did the fire start? That was some electrical thing that uh, we made picture frames. That's what we did, and uh, that fire just stopped that. It wasn't something that could be rebuilt because of the complexity of the materials and the molds that we'd lost. That was a little tough to rebound from. But you know, I just, philosophically, I I always have just tried to keep moving with a lot of love and support from family and friends. I, I think... Being involved on the board of works was a good thing. Having my bank director job was a good thing. Doing theater was a good thing. You know, like a good So
0: just throwing yourself into just new things that can take some of those uh, energy away. You know. Yeah,
1: you know, you can get out of your head for a while.
0: Yeah, I did a funeral yesterday, and do you have any advice of what you would give those people that are? going through mourning themselves, you know, that might be listening to this, as you kind of, you and Laura really, like I said, four parents and in just a couple of years is a lot of navigating plus mourning the loss of a business yeah. and 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 again i say this and I, I hope people don't think i'm just trying to compliment you superficially now i've never seen you lose your joy you've always still had joy so when i actually researching this and finding out your parents did die it really surprised me a i thought i was a bad person for not noting and, and giving you my condolences but also um it surprised me because you never lost your joy
1: in in what i saw anyway i i, I would just say, um, keep looking to the bright side. Uh, You know, appreciate the blessings that you have. You know, we're all here for a very brief period of time. And uh, just keep loving each other, supporting each other. And uh, don't don't try to do it alone. Someone told me at one point, don't try to row the boat alone. You know, let someone else take an oar once in a while. that's what i try to share you know with people is we're here for you
0: there's no stronger message to give to each other is you're not alone that I, i'm i'm with you regardless of the heartbreak regardless of the the you know the the comedies and the tragedies that um, we're gonna walk this path together and 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 I lost my mother when I was a teenager I still miss her today and it's been many many years but um, I don't think we're ever ready to fully live without our parents though maybe there are some people but I think most of us anyway you still want to you you're still never ready to not get them on the phone and call them and either say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" or just to share something that happened to get their affirmation.
1: I would have loved to have been able to talk to mom and dad when I was deciding to, you know, enter the caucus. And you know, I talked to them for sure. Uh, and they, I felt like, you know, sure. they gave me answers sure. in a way. But yep. uh, yeah, there's a lot of times, and I was also very close with Laura's folks too. And you know, sometimes it, even to this day, it's like. Hey, this would be a good day to just go visit them. And, yeah. You know, so they never leave you.
0: No, uh, their legacy lives on. The message I give for a lot of people going through a lot of grief is there's no, nobody grieves alike, right? Don't force your grief either. Don't allow other people to force your grief. Um, nobody grieves alike. Um, you kind of have to find your own rhythm of, of what mourning looks like, but also kind of just trust in the slow work of God that, that it does get better in time. It honestly it took me 10 years after my mom died to get to a point where I wasn't sad about it. But then eventually it comes to a place of joy and gratitude of saying, you know, what? maybe it didn't end the way we wanted it to, but we got it while, it, while she was here. Yeah. You know I mean, and, and you, you, you can look back and say, you know what, uh, we mourn for not where they're at, but for where they're not, they're not with us. And, but we're grateful for every minute we got together, you know,
1: yeah, that's beautiful.
0: day you go into the office. Mayor Milo, different personality than you. Yeah, from what I understand, it was kind of a shock to some of the staff. They they loved, I mean, many of them were hired by Mayor Milo. F- friends, you know, um, partners, co-laborers on lots of projects and stuff like that. You go in there, and what's your, what's your message to... Um, a staff and a team that might be feeling a little bit of uh, just chaos
1: of where do we go now? Luckily, I, I had some familiarity with them. You knew their names at least, right? You yeah. Know. Yeah. Although I didn't know that I had a parking place at City Hall. Oh, first really? Day, so I I actually parked in the City Planner's parking spot.
0: Oh, was that was Beth really upset? <laughs>
1: That's classic Beth Schrader. She told me she was gonna have me towed. Yeah, that sounds like Beth. Yeah, uh, so anyway, that was kind of a a good quick start, but uh, I decided that my very first week in office, I was going to meet individually with every department head and every city council member. So I lined up meetings for that entire week, you know, just one after one, and my theme was Communication, stressing that I'm new now here in this role. I know what you do, and I know what what I would like to do. It's all about communication, and I think that was probably the best way that I could have started because it. Number one, it pushed me right into action, because I wasn't going to work thinking like, what what am I going to do? You know, (laughs) let's just meet with people and start talking and. You know, I'll tell you, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like what we're doing right now because it wasn't like a lecture of, this is what I expect, this is what I want to do. I was getting to know them, they were getting to know me, getting to know who their family members were, their kids, what brought them to be in the role that they're in, just, you know, kind of talking. I think that was a really good start. If there was any apprehension about the transition, I think it was you know, soothed just with that beginning. I don't think I would have done it any differently.
0: So we got some development happening, right? Um, Quite a a bit, actually. I mean, in in random places. We got the hospital that's gonna start, I think, what, next year? Next year. and um, a fairly sizable project,
1: right? It's a huge project. It's, it's the second biggest project in the city of Laporte, only second to the Arconic project in 2015.
0: I, I see, anyway, quite a few of the buildings downtown. Well, we've, we've had the renovation projects going on with uh, grants and everything, but I see quite a bit of the uh, renovations in buildings going on, but there's no uh, attached... You know, businesses is going in some of these. What, what's happening with the buildings? Is there somebody buy it there's or, did, a, There's you know. a good
1: number of buildings that have been purchased downtown, and they're in the, the midst of being renovated to have tenants. I have had the opportunity to visit some of these buildings and take a look inside, and boy, I mean, it's amazing what's being done inside to bring it to life. Uh, a lot of these buildings are pretty old, and uh, you know it takes a lot of work to get them ready to house something new. I'm like everyone; I, I so anxious to see these buildings getting filled up with these businesses. And you know, there's a lot of things that that I can't talk about specifics, but uh, there's a lot of cool things coming.
0: Great, um, and and I know obviously on our Brighton Street project, you know. I don't think some people that maybe aren't involved in redevelopment projects realize how expensive things are to buy a building and renovate it is just such a, you know... It's a big commitment. There's this thing called a skilled up Skill Up 3 grant that's six thousand six hundred and seventy seven thousand dollars that I think is supposed to be for training and encouraging, I, I don't even know, manufacturing? Is that
1: right? But employees or yeah it's a it's a way to address what many of us know to be a deficiency in the in the workforce that is available to fill jobs and also to uh, engage the uh, the schools in what kind of training is necessary to get these jobs. And it was a uh, a grant application that actually I was part of the grant application. When I worked at GLEDSEA and when I became mayor, and I uh, mayor mayor in Michigan City, and I put our support together behind this application to strengthen the request for our area, and uh, and I think that that helped in in achieving the the amount that we got, and uh, there's so many good things that that are coming out of that in terms of. Addressing the needs of good training, and uh, whether it's through you know Ivy Tech or the AK Smith, or uh, so the
0: the idea then is, um, if if I'm if I'm getting this right, um, is to hopefully then create a better culture in Laporte for people that are prepared if they want um, and if they choose to maybe perhaps not go to college that um, they'll be prepared then. At 18 years old, when they graduate Laporte High School or whatever, to fill some of these positions and hopefully have yeah. decent-paying jobs, right? Yeah, exactly. So it helps the manufacturers out locally because they'll have better employees. But hopefully, then also it partners with the kids that perhaps want to do these jobs that you know um, and get paid well, hopefully anyway, at 18 years
1: old, right out of high school. Yeah, and there's a lot of good examples of that happening. You know, that kids that go to a- A.K. Smith, you know they're they're in school, they're in high school, but they're taking some special classes, or they're going to Ivy Tech, and and they're they're learning specific things, and and our local employers are engaged in those things so that they're they're getting done with this and they're going right into a job. Yeah, and it's cool, it's cool to see it.
0: I don't know if you read in the Harold uh, Argus. Um, that the United Way put out their ALICE report. Did you did you read that or not? Um, I haven't read all of it. Yeah, I don't know if you heard of it. Um, but essentially, it says, more than 50% of families in Le- the city of Laporte are struggling to afford the basics, housing, food, health care, child care, and transportation, despite working, according to a report from the United Way. And then it goes on to say, the 2018 Indiana ALICE report, ALICE stands for Asset Limited, Income Constrained, Employed, uh, so people that are working, essentially what, what we might call in crass terms the, the working poor. Um, released earlier this month shows more than half of the households in Michigan City, LaPorte, Kingsford Heights, and Michigan Township meet the criteria for inclusion on the list. They include families living in poverty and those above the federal poverty level who struggle to pay bills. The groups account for 37% of county households. Obviously, this is an important thing for me, being the president of the PAC Center and things like that. When
1: you read that, what do you think? I want to... Uh you know elevate the the level of you know wellness goodness in 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 our community in our area uh, i'm on the the cabinet for the the current united way campaign and i have become even more tuned into some of these statistics which are stunning so i am I'm a big champion of trying to do whatever we can to you know raise the quality of your life for for these people and it takes a little bit of effort from everyone to do it mm-hmm. to make a difference. I sure support the uh, the United Way and what what they do and who they represent and the umbrella of all the many agencies that they 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 cover and uh, so I'm just going to be a part of trying to make a difference in that way.
0: Absolutely, and and I think... One of the hard things is, you know, I think there's this faulty understanding of who is and isn't hungry and poor in our community. And there are many people who are working full time jobs who are still struggling to make ends meet. Now, that doesn't mean you can fix this. Right. But it does take all of us to say, okay, there is this problem and we all need to work together on it. Right. And so I'm I'm glad that the United Way is doing that. Now, uh, just a couple more things and we'll end because I know you got lots of great things to do. Let's talk about Newport Landing. It's obviously a topic that everyone wants to talk about. Is it fair to say development's not been as fast as we want it to happen?
1: That's fair to say. Yeah. Yes. Um,
0: and, and again, that, that that's not pointing fingers or anything, but I think that's just a fair st- assessment. And I think everyone I know that's a stakeholder in that agrees, yeah, we wish there was more stuff in there right now. Yep, no. me too. What, what have been some of the deeper challenges for that to happen?
1: There were a couple of things that, that occurred along the way that uh, when, when Kroger's had talked about occupying a big portion of the new area, uh, that, that was going to encompass a lot of acreage. When their decision to change course due to their own reasons... And, and just just to put it out there, did that
0: have anything to do with the environmental study? No. Okay,
1: that's No, it, it did not. It was it was their corporate decision to to change course and it was it had nothing to do with environmental. I mean we have the city has really gone to great lengths to deal with environmental on that site and and you know many many communities around our country are are dealing with similar things too because when you when you want to reclaim something in your community that was a industrial site, it's gonna have some of these issues and we've addressed those issues and that had nothing to do with Kroger's decision. But the what that did in terms of the speed of development in the general area, it it stalled things for a while. So that when the expectation was that they were gonna occupy this amount of acreage, suddenly they're not, so now we've got a market yeah. it again
0: and really re- redo a lot of the thinking for what's yeah. going to be in there right i mean when like you said there's a big thumbprint where uh, where kroger is going to be and it's no longer there then there's not a lot of different places that can fill that big of a thumbprint yeah um,
1: and I, I think everyone wants to get it right whatever happens there we want to get it right i'm excited about the the new residential project that's going to be built near clear lake and uh
0: When's the uh, timeline for that? We're going through that, the you know?
1: process of, you know, all the paperwork and everything and the applications for credits and whatnot. And so hopefully starting on that next year. Okay, great. And, uh, and the developer is top-notch. It's going to be a, a nice a- addition to that area, and it's going to be a catalytic project that I think will spawn other projects, too. And there are a couple other things that are in the pipeline right now that I can't talk about. But Newport Landing is an area that eventually can be the heartbeat of the city because of its connectivity to the trails that we're putting in, Clear Lake, Fox Park. Uh, We've got plans and dreams for connecting even more interestingly downtown with Newport Landing. I don't I don't see the hurdles that you know is part of the white noise out there. Yeah. Uh, because I know of all of the dedicated work and effort and you know determination that has been exhibited to get to where we are right now. But there are there are decisions that, that determine how a project gets developed and that is You know, someone might be looking at LaPorte, but they might be looking at another community, too. Yeah. And we we had an example of that with someone who was very excited to commit to Newport Landing, but then they decided, well, they were going to do a project in one of the neighboring communities first.
0: Can you tell us who the neighboring community is so we can talk bad about them online?
1: No, I can't. Okay. But... uh, (laughs) <laughs> no harm in asking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because
0: I can start some. I can start some trash on Twitter and stuff if you really want me to. <laughs> um, and, and I think to again, I, I to, to speak up a little bit for those who are concerned about environmental stuff. There, there's certainly reason, right? We've we've seen what's happened in Flint. We've seen all these other things, and just, to to question whether or not. Um, to say, is this also happening in our community? It's a, it's a good impulse. I don't think, though, from what I've understood from talking to people that n- know how to read environmental surveys, that um, th- that, that's, that is happening. I don't think that's what's happening. Obviously, like you said, any development on any industrial space, which is happening all over the country because factories are closing and these spaces are prime retail, is gonna have challenges. Um, And uh, as long as I think we do our best to meet those challenges, and again, the Indiana EPA is going to make sure that we do, I'm sure. Um, uh, I think we have to encourage development. I understand. I get the impulse of concern. But again, um, I'm excited to see the development that's happening there. I'm excited about your Chessie Trail, the Chessie Trail that's coming. Is it opening soon?
1: It's opening soon. Um, Construction is supposed to be done... uh, October 5th and that's not too far off no now there is going to be uh, a crossing on Pine Lake Avenue yeah what, what what is that gonna look like it's it's a I think it's called a, a beacon crossing that uh, and, and that will not be functional until next spring it's my understanding but it's a it's a crossing that will be pedestrian Initiated so that you press a button if you want to cross at that point, and and there is like uh, lights that will flash to stop traffic. Okay, so it's
0: not like a red light, but it's a it will stop traffic for you.
1: Yeah, we were we were kind of uh, in, in dot allowed us only a certain kind of way to cross Pine Lake Avenue. You
0: don't get to decide what's on that, right? Uh, that That's a decision the state tells you what they're going to allow you to do. Uh,
1: you know, we had hoped to get a a regular, like, crosswalk light, mm-hmm. but they would not allow us to do that. So this... Do you want me to talk bad about them on Twitter? No. I will. Because, okay. uh, you know, NDOT has, as their rules... I actually... Work well with them. Okay, we'll yeah, keep the peace. We'll keep the, peace. Well we'll keep the peace for now.
0: <laughs> so, when you need me to unleash a lot of really clever things on Twitter, I can do it. Okay, you send, you send, you give me the go ahead. And again, I I understand, and I think this is the the hard thing for any citizen, myself included. Not every development, not everything that happens in our community is for me. Um, nor am I going to get excited about it. Honestly, it's just not. Um, there's a great new volleyball center behind us here at State Street. I'm not a volleyball player, I, but but I'm excited for those that are. It's it's nothing that's really going to impact me, quite frankly. It's just not. Um, but I'm excited for those who are, and I'm excited for whoever owns that to be able to utilize that space. I'm glad they're in La port. Um, I understand that the when I'm when they're having a volleyball thing, uh, the restaurants are a lot busier. Starbucks has a lot more people. Temple News Agency has a lot more people. Um, and so I celebrate that, even though it doesn't impact me in that way, I celebrate that because I think it's hard I mean, again, as a good citizen, you, you, you want to limit, you, you, you want to expand beyond what you think is, um, for you, right? Because it might be for others and that's Okay. You're a Republican, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I'm just the only one noticing this. But I feel like we're kind of in this hyper-partisan reality right now. Um, I have Democratic friends. I have Republican friends. I love them both. I feel like, you know what, we sit around a table, we have a beer, and we can all talk. We can yeah. even talk about our differences and be fine. Yeah. What, what, what's happening in our our political conversation nationally and maybe even locally? I don't know. That's prohibiting that from happening to say, listen, we can all agree on the same facts. That doesn't mean we have to agree on the same policies, but we're, we're in this together. What happened and where do we go from here to fix some of that? Do you think?
1: I'll tell you, I,
0: or do you not know either?
1: (laughs) I think there's a big reset button that needs to be hit. I think, I think too many people have lost sight of the, let's sit down and talk concept. And it's about, Posturing and finger pointing and I'm not a pol- politician I'm said to be a politician I guess because i'm I'm a mayor and I was elected by the Republican precinct people but i I'm as frustrated as anyone about things that are happening on a national level that seem to be just insane and out of touch and I think there's got to be a lot more you know heart and soul that's evident in our national government. Of course, you know, the president has got to take the lead on that. I think much more could be accomplished with a more civil approach. I'm not seeing it. I don't know how to fix it. Uh, You can simply say, well, you just have to vote people out of office, and that's always been the case, right? How do you go about that, and how do you go about voting people out and getting good people in? Sounds really simple to do, but...
0: One of the things I really loved, and I think it really resonated with a lot of people, I think the John McCain funeral stuff really resonated, and why it was really a big story is, you know, you you saw there, you saw... the man that beat him in a presidential election, the man that beat him in a a primary, a very contentious primary election, given his eulogy. But you also heard him talk about, and others talk about, um, his love for Ted Kennedy. You heard him talk about Joe Biden give a eulogy that was really beautiful about um, disagreeing passionately about policies, but loving each other as well and caring for each other's kids. And, you know, it... We need more of that. I, and I don't, but I don't know how to recover it. That's the problem. Because we can be political without partisan, right? We can, we can say, you know what, we disagree on how to solve this issue, but we don't necessarily disagree that we're trying to both do the right thing. Right right um, yeah. and and I, I feel like that that that's the thing that's missing is when we question each other's patriotism, when we question each other's you know love of community or, or country, instead of just saying, listen, we just disagree on how to solve these issues or or maybe even disagree on how important these issues are to solve. but we're still trying to do and create the best country and the best society we think, we can. And what I guess to finish this, what I've appreciated about that is that I think you're part of that solution. And I, I really appreciate that you've even locally in this couple months of you being mayor have done a great job of trying to model that and, and be kind to those who are different than you, who might have different political persuasions.
1: I appreciate that. I, that's, that's the only way it can work. I,
0: I Well, I, I think it's the only way that can work well. I, I think the reason why people are the way they are on the national level is because I think that's worked to get to a certain point um, and had a certain outcome, but I don't think it's going to work long term to create a great culture in society. But no, yeah, I agree. Have yeah. you
1: decided if you're running again yet? I'll make a decision after the November election.
0: Okay. All right. Well, will you come back on the podcast sometime? I'd love to. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much for being here. I know you're busy, and uh, I'm I'm hoping that everyone got a chance to hear your story and hear who you are and and got to know you a little bit better like I uh, have, and I appreciate so much of uh, all that you're doing. Thanks so much. I
1: appreciate the opportunity, and I thank you for everything that you do.
0: Ah, No problem. It's a a joy to be here in the court. so take care.